Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> gentlemen if you're listening welcome to episode 94 of the single mother survival guide podcast my name is julia husher and i'm the host of this show welcome to everybody listening if you've never listened to this podcast before then welcome and if you're a regular listener welcome back i just want to warn you that um this week's episode and next week's episode they're dealing with a pretty intense matter and if you have been through domestic violence or anything like that it might be a trigger for you I've put some link in the show notes for some services that can help you if you're in this situation but please if you need help please reach out to one of these you know speciality agencies or organizations that deal with this stuff because it's just full-on so my guest today uh, is staying completely anonymous. Um, she has been through hell, like absolute hell. She's so amazing. Um, now, I just want to say, um, yeah, she lives in Australia. She's gone to quite extreme lengths to keep her identity anonymous um, for reasons which will be quite obvious as you will listen to this podcast. But, you know, she's moved states now and everything. It's, um, you know, this has been a completely life-changing experience for her and her kids. Um, so, yeah, unfortunately I can't share her name with you, but I know that um, – you guys will understand when you when you hear this. She's just amazing. And um, really, I just want to get straight into it. Okay, here we go. Okay, all right. On the show with me today, I have a single mum. Now, we're keeping her identity anonymous today because of the nature of what's happened. But thank you so much for being here today. I'm I'm just amazed by you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, so I don't know that much about your story yet. And uh, like I know a little bit from what you've sort of sent me, but I just want to tell you, first of all, how sorry I am for what you've been through. I think this is just one of the worst horrifying cases of domestic violence that I've ever heard of. And I just think you should know how brave you are and how amazing you are for sharing your story with us today and for creating more awareness for TV. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a huge, it's, it's a huge subject that, um, that it's, it's talked about more than what it used to be, but it's still not, it's still not out there enough for people to, you know, to be fully aware of all the different situations that our class is DV, um, no matter how big or small it is, and what you can do to sort of leave and where you can go for help and everything else that's involved with it, I guess. Yeah, so good. Okay, so as I said, let me know if you need a break. Um, and if you're listening, and also to you too, I apologise if I'm <laughs> swearing in advance. <laughs> I'm sure a few F-bombs might come out. Um, okay, so we're not sharing much of your information today, but we can share that you live in Australia and you've got three kids. Yeah. Can you tell us how old they are? So I've got a eight-year-old, a soon-to-be seven-year-old and a soon-to-be 18-month-old. Awesome. 
Okay, so I think maybe the very best way to share this kind of experience that you've been through is maybe to start back at the very beginning. So can you take us back to 2007, which is when the relationship started? How did you meet um, and what was the relationship with the father of your children like to begin with? So we met um, through family members um, and it was... It was amazing because I thought I'd met someone that was, you know, uh, very similar to me with upbringing and all that sort of stuff and just down to earth and, you know, go with the flow sort of thing. Um, But things, I guess, within a few months I started noticing things that weren't okay but I kind of just put up with it because I thought, you know, I'm with an amazing person, Um, he works hard, and, you know, he's a good guy. So I, I ignored the early warning signs, despite the fact that I did have family members pointing out to me, you know, it wasn't okay, you can't be spoken to like that and all this sort of stuff. Um, so what were the kind of warning signs in hindsight that you thought? Uh, oh. control, like controlling what I'd wear, controlling when I worked, where I worked, who I spoke to, I had to, you know, I had to change my phone number and not have contact with anybody from, you know, old friendships and stuff like that. Um, he started limiting me on when I'd see my family, when I'd talk to my family, including my mum, which was a big one because me and my mum were very close. Mm. Um, just, yeah, just lots of everyday things that were gradually being changed in me as a person. Yeah. So yeah. what, and how long into the relationship was that? Um, I said it just gradually started within a few months. Yeah. And then over the years it just got worse and worse to a point where um, I'd get in trouble for even talking on the phone to my family because um, it was like, I don't know, he'd get paranoid that we're plotting against him or something. I don't know what his stupid reason was. Um, you know, I'd go as far as having to throw certain items of clothing in the bin because he didn't approve of it. Like just a dress, even if I wore shorts under it, um, because you could see the figure of my legs and stuff through the dress, he'd, he'd get angry and I'd have to throw it out. Um, where I, once the children were born, where I could go with the kids, who the kids were allowed to be around, um, who was allowed over, you know, just so many things. And did you find yourself getting into a sort of state where you almost kind of accepted it as normal? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, it, it was, like, especially once the kids were born, he always said when we're pregnant with our first, you're not taking the children away from me. He goes, if we ever split up, I'm keeping the children. And I just had to sort of accept that. I I wasn't game enough to stand up to him and say, well, no, I'm taking the children because, you know, even throughout my first pregnancy, he'd have a go at me for doing something and say, well, if you can't do this properly, how are you going to raise a child? Oh, my God. And it was just stupid little things like that that made me doubt doubt myself as a parent even pregnant with my first child. Um, But over the years, I kind of 
without even realizing I ended up gaining the skills of a single mum, even though we were together because, you know, he could always go and do his thing. He could go out drinking on a Friday night with his mates. He could go into the, you know, go out with his mates and get blind and drunk in the city and go to strip clubs and, you know, things like that um, while I was home looking after the kids. And you weren't allowed to do anything. No, I wasn't. And, yeah, it just, it was, it got really, really frustrating. You know, he opened up a Facebook account and he had all these old friends, like female friends on there. And if I did it, like I opened up a Facebook account and I got abused for having male friends on there from school. You know, he knew all my passwords to absolutely everything except, and I wasn't allowed to know any of his passwords. And yeah, there was, it was just very much, he was in charge, he was in control and it was his rules. So I just ended up accepting it because I didn't want to leave my kids. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's terrifying. You wouldn't have even kind of probably thought, you know, if that happened, like, of course I'll get them. You would have been so beaten down that you just believed every word that he said. Yeah, like I I did doubt myself as a mother. Mm. I always doubted myself as a mother. Like I don't so much now because I can see the result of me in them, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Okay, so what year was your first child born? Uh, 2010. 2010. Okay. And so at that stage, um, what was the relationship like? Was it still, um, you know, this emotional abuse going on and what else, was there anything else happening at that point? Um, yeah, like he ended up cutting more of my family out more. Um, they ended up having a fight. My brother-in-law had a go at him for the way that he treated me. And, like, I never found this out until recently, but, yeah, um, they could see how he was treating me. They confronted him about it. And then as a result, they ended up having, a like, a punch on and then oh had to sort of, you know, cut them out of my life, which really, really hurt because my sister is, you know, she was one of my best friends. And once I lost her, I literally had no one. You know, it was, you know, it was really, really hard. So um, I literally just had him to deal, like, to be with and, you know, I could talk to his family and stuff like that. But anytime my family was involved, like, it was just not okay and it would just cause us a lot of arguments. You know, one day my mum had to come for an antenatal appointment and he had to go to work and he says, you dare fall, you dare go into labour and not tell me while your mother's there. And he goes, and I'll kill you. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was just so paranoid that I was going to give birth without him there because he had to miss his appointment. And I just felt like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, far out. So we, how did you explain this to your family or did they get it? Like they could see how he was and they knew uh, that it was easier for you to just not speak to them because of the Definitely. Like my mum my mom kept her mouth so much. Um just so much. She she kept her mouth shut because she knew if she didn't, she wouldn't be allowed to come and visit me and the children. Yeah. And we could never go visit them, even with my even with him. We still could never go visit my mum. It was always people had to come to us because it was a controlled environment. Oh my god. What about his family? Were they are they involved? Oh, on and off through the years, but you know, his family ended up living with us, and I think 
you know, that, that impacted our, our lives a lot. Um, but I'll get to that bit later down the track. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's now 2010. Your uh, first child has been born. When did further cracks start to appear? When did he start to show uh, the sort of violent part of himself? Um, I think the first time he actually showed any type of violence would have been before my oldest was born. Um, when he discovered I was using a Facebook account, he sort of grabbed me by the back of the hair and yanked my neck around because I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't go into it for him. And then um, again afterwards. So you'd created a Facebook account without him knowing because he was yeah. so paranoid. Yeah, because I didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. Just, you know. Um, yeah, it just. And what did he do when he found out? Uh, he ended up smashing the computer keyboard. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, just losing it. <laughs> yeah. Far out. So when that happened, were you just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, like I, I automatically assumed this was my fault and I shouldn't have done that. I, I, I just took, took on the blame. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... Um, then your child was born. When was the second one born? Was it a year later? Um, yeah, 16 months later. 16 and months even, later. even then again, he went and did his own thing the day that we got home from the hospital because it was state of origin. So rather than sit home with our newborn and watch the football together, he went off and got drunk at his mate's house. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that's just the way it was from, the, from then on. It was just always I was home with the two oldest and um, he was always at his mate's house. So when my oldest was going through the terrible twos, I was also dealing with a newborn baby and... He just wasn't there for you. He wasn't helping at all. Exactly. It was just like being a single mum. Yeah. It was so hard. Even financially was hard because... You have to ask for money. Yeah, he was in control of the money and we, you know, back then he was working full-time... I was getting, you know, uh, parenting payments and I struggled. I had to buy, you know, always the cheapest of cheap products like nappies and wipes and stuff, whereas today a single mum on the pension and I buy my youngest Huggies and, you know, Huggies wipes and all, you know, yeah, pretty decent branded stuff because I can. Because I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it is sometimes harder, like, worse when you are in a relationship that's really bad and you do feel like a single mom because you also feel that resent like resentment like why do I have to be the one to do everything and you're not helping at all and at least like now as single moms where you know there's no expectation so there's no disappointment it's like cool it's just the way we roll yeah yeah and and my kids my kids totally get that like they know we haven't got a great deal of money and they they accept that yeah you know, when we do get to do amazing things and, um, you know, we get special treats where we go out for dinner one night every few weeks or something, yeah. they appreciate it and they always say, oh, thank you so much, Mummy, you know. Yeah, that's really sweet. And we sweet. get to go on little adventures, you know, we, we the kids do martial arts training. So, you know, they finished that up the other week. We then went out for dinner afterwards and then later on we went for a walk, you know, through the park and went and played in the sand and, you know, we didn't get home till 9.30 that night and it was just so much fun. Yeah. Because it was spontaneous and, yeah, it's 
it's it's great not having that pressure there of what time are you going to be home? Where are you? Why didn't you answer your phone? Or, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's freedom. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to 2016. Would you say that is the year that really everything went really shit quite quickly? Yeah, I'd say probably the the Christmas beforehand okay. um, is when things really started to just go insane, I guess. Um, so 2015, yeah. December. So this is like, what, you were married? No, we, we didn't, we weren't married. It was in the talks, like we were, we were planning on getting married and we were planning on starting another, like starting for trying for a baby um, and all this sort of stuff. Like it was probably the best our relationship had ever been over the course of time. It was just incredible. He went, you know, he worked six days a week. We had a car each. We had a beautiful family. We had everything we ever needed. Um we started spending time together as a family rather than him with his mates. Um, we'd do weekend trips. We'd go out for dinner and things like that. Like it was just absolutely incredible. And then this is just after his family moved in and they were actually meth addicts. Who? The family? Yes. His parents? His no, no, no. His um, siblings. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you know about this before? Um, I didn't know that they were actually like really hard into it. I thought they were just all pretty much pot smokers and that, and they used occasionally, but I didn't really know anything much about that side of that side of things. Um, but yeah. And so how many of them moved in? So at one stage we had his nephew who was using his sister who was using his, her, her partner who was also using and one of his brothers would stay as well. Oh, my God. And they, it just literally took over the house. I'd go to work, you know, I'd work at night time with a restaurant and um, I'd go to work and finish 11 o'clock at night. I'd come home and I'd still have to clean the kitchen. There'd be, you know, rubbish on the table from when her kids would visit. Like she had two kids. Plus then there was our two plus another child that we somewhat sort of adopted due to um, her mother passing away. Um, and yeah, like at one stage we'd have five kids in the house plus all these adults. And if, like, if I'd known there was that much of a bad mix of drugs going on in the house, there's no way in hell I would have stayed and put up with it with my children there. No no way. Like I'd get home from work some nights at nine o'clock at night and my, like the, the, the kids would be running around the house stupid. Like at one stage, my, my younger, my middle child was sitting there like trying to reach the roof with a broom for some reason. I'm like, what the hell are you doing, mate? Like, yeah, you know, they'd be stampeding through the house and he'd be sitting down in the garage with, with everyone just having a drink and doing whatever and it'd just be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah, that's out of control. But eventually um, I did, like, I did move out myself. Like I, I separated from him. And that was uh, in 2015? Yeah, and we separated for a few weeks and then we got back together and that's when everything just became amazing. You know, right. we started, we need to change our, our lifestyle. We need our family to work, you know. And so at that point, did all his family get out? No, he, he ended up, 
like because I moved out from the house with the kids. And, and how did he? Sorry, I've got so many questions. Sorry, that's <laughs> so I keep interrupting. All right. How did he react? I mean, when you decided to move out that time in 2015, what? Like, he agreed. That, he he agreed because what it was called, like, he could see that we were both moving forward. It wasn't the best environment for the kids. Yeah. Now, hold on to that thought for a moment. Then later, then you know, fast forward to 2016, like t- later on down the track, where things started going weird and crazy, where he started abusing meth, and he just started showing signs of paranoia. That I, at the time I didn't know that's what it was, you know, where he was accusing me that I was cheating on him, that you know we had strangers coming into our house and meeting our children, and uh, I was going off doing you know, weekend trips and hookups with this person and, you know, they'd seen my body and only someone who's seen me naked could describe certain things to them and it was just all this far-fetched and crazy stuff and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? And I tried so hard to convince him but he ended up getting more and more and more angry that I wasn't admitting anything to him. That must have been so confusing. Are you like, are you going crazy? What's happening? Like I thought, who the hell would be saying all this to him? Who's causing all this drama? Um, You know, I thought someone was ringing him and trying to separate us again or something. Like I didn't know what to think. And then that's when he started really just becoming crazy. He drove me out to the middle of nowhere once and he was going to strip me naked and tie me to a tree um, he was going to tie me to the bed at, in the house and just leave me there all day in the middle of summer till he got home from work. Um, he started destroying all my stuff. So there were things that we were given when our oldest was born and it just it was this beautiful ornament that just got smashed into smithereens. I had a beautiful jewellery box from when I was 11 years old that got smashed into pieces, mm. jewellery that just got destroyed, photos, um, from from my grandmother who passed and oh my god kinds of things anything that meant anything to me including mother's day presents and birthdays and stuff just got destroyed and then once he finished destroying anything that was meaningful to me he started making miss miss out on things with the kids so um i i had to miss out on school events so like um our middle child's prep uh sorry kindy graduation we didn't end up going to that. He missed out because he didn't want me going. Oh, my so God. For what was, reason? Because I was not being a fit mother. I was lying to him and destroying our family. So why should I get to in, enjoy these motherly, sorry, motherly moments? Oh, you know my God. I mean? um, yeah, and then once, like, I ended up just going numb to that sort of stuff. Like, it would upset me to a point where I was just like, you know what, I'm going to miss out. So what's the point of getting upset? It was a waste of energy. And then he thought it would be a great idea to convince me that I should try using meth um, to see if that would help me tell the truth. And it was so pressured onto me to do it that I couldn't say no. And before this, I'd never touched any form of drugs. I don't smoke. I hardly drink. And yeah, I'm just, I am, I'm against, you know, pretty much any sort of form of drug. Yeah. So for me to be taking that step to try and keep my family together and prove my loyalty to him was a massive thing. Yeah, huge. It was huge. Um, and I, I gave it a try and I hate admitting it, but I enjoyed it. 
I've, I actually enjoy doing it. So, well, isn't it? It's one of the most addictive drugs, isn't it? It is. It's, it's and that must be why because it's good. Apparently, <laughs> only only at first. Like after a while, it just it just becomes nothing, um, and then you end up using more and more to keep chasing that high again. But right. you know, it just becomes immune. You become immune to it. So yeah, is meth the same as ice? Yes. Um, so, like, at <laughs> least when it comes to those kind of it things. is. It's the same. It, it is the same thing, and honestly, it is disgusting and putrid. And I wish to God I never touched it. It's it's like, I to me, I feel that's one of the biggest things contributing to um, DV these days because yeah. how easy it is to get, how much it costs, and just how it changes people. Yeah. It's just it's a, a vile, disgusting drug, and yeah, he he got he had me using it, and it ended up sending me to a point where I was having um, like I was having uh, trips, like I I was imagining all this stuff that happened, and it no, never happened. And I sat him one night telling him that I'd been cheating on him for seven years. Oh my god! Shit, <laughs> and where and when and all this stuff, and I was going into details, even like down to the minute on the clock, you know. And I've just sort of come snapped out of it, like sort of woken up and gone, "What the hell is going on?" And that he sounds really me. scary. It is scary. He didn't believe me that um that it was all just imagined. Like he he thought it was all true, and then because I was trying to deny it that's when he started to really become violent. Um, he started, it just started out with a tap on the face here and there um, and then gradually increased uh, over the course of months. So um, so at this point, were you still taking the meth and was he still taking the meth or what was happening with the drugs? Um, oh, sorry, and I always forget that bit. He did sort of start becoming a little bit violent before the drugs and then it increased once the drugs were sort of being becoming a regular regular use. Yeah. Um, once the drugs were becoming more regular, the violence got a hell of a lot more worse and it just kept escalating each time. Um, you know, like I said, it started out with a couple of taps across the face and then at one stage, you know, this might be a bit crude, but... He ended up getting a vibrator and slapping me across the head with it. Jesus. And another time he was jamming it down my throat to a oh point where it was like hurting, like scraping and damaging my throat. Um, and he was laughing, like saying, oh, you, you know, you, you're happy to take the cock, so now you're going to get served it. And he was, you know, and I ended up with bruises on my face from it and stuff, so... Oh, my God, that's so heartbreaking. Meanwhile, our kids are sitting in the lounge room with the TV turned up so they couldn't hear me, you know, and, yeah, it's... Jesus. And then things just got from bad to worse from there. Like um, there was one day he poured dishwashing liquid on the top of my head and then forced me into a cold shower and had the water running over the dishwashing liquid into my eyes and then he squirt more soap into my eyes and stuff. Oh, my God. Um, he pegged me down and attacked me with his thong um, to a point where my ears were black and blue and my face was swollen. I had scraped little micro scratch marks all over my face from dirt stuck on his thongs. Um, he attacked me with a belt one night. 
and I just had massive whip marks all over my body. I had to wear, you know, it's the middle of summer and I constantly had to wear jeans to hide bruising on my legs and nobody questioned it. So then he started getting smarter and hurting me where you can't see the bruises, so on the ribs and in the head, things like that. Um, He smashed a coffee mug into the side of my leg, which actually tore my knee open and you could see the the patella of my knee um, all because I told him, no, I didn't sleep with your best friend basically. You didn't um, give him the answer that he wanted to hear. Yeah, and I got punished because I never told him what he wanted to hear, you know, um, and it, it, it sent me crazy. It really did. And I kind of ended up in like the meth helped in a way to as a coping mechanism because um, it takes away your, your emotions. It just it helps you deal. Like one night I was crying and carrying on because he was going to be taking the kids away from me and going on the run with the kids and I was bawling my eyes out like what happens on Mother's Day when, you know, the class is doing cards and all that sort of stuff. What are they going to do? And I was bawling my eyes out. He goes, just come sit down and have a pipe. And I ended up having one and ended up starting laughing and giggling at the stupidest little things. Like it's what it did to me was just, it did, it helped me cope emotionally or emotionless, I should say. Um, Yeah. And was there a little voice inside your head saying, this is not normal? Like, this is not. I knew it wasn't normal. And I ended up dropping off the radar completely from everybody except his family. Like, I was allowed to communicate with his family, but I. I didn't, like, it was my mum's 60th birthday. I couldn't even ring her or text her or anything to wish her a happy birthday. That that killed me. Um, I had to just completely disregard my sister, who's, you know, one of my best friends. You know, he said, you know, she kept texting, are you okay? Have I done something wrong? What's going on? Can you please call me? Like, she was worried. And then he sent her a text message one day just saying, fuck off. And then never heard from her again. And I found out later that she ended up blocking and deleting me, deleting photos. She actually thought it was me, you know, telling her to go away and it, oh. it destroyed her. It killed her. Oh my God. So, um, and just, yeah, like I, I had to stop talking to friends, um, everything. It was, um. You know, like I said, I just dropped off the radar and that's, that wasn't like me. I'd ring, ring, you know, all my family members at least once a week. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just really bizarre. It's just so awful. Like it's just like why people would do that. Like fucking hell. So tell me what happened in um, April because that was the first time that you I guess, left yeah. after that initial time where you both agreed. Yeah. Um, so he was, we had to move into his sister's um, because the lease had gone up on the house and we had nowhere else to go. We, you know, initially we were going to just pack the car and travel up the coast and, you know, we we're going to go find somewhere to live and then gradually move up there, which would be all great and fun in a fairy tale and an amazing experience. Um, But, yeah, we ended up moving into his sister's and he started abusing me one day when the kids were at school 
Um, and he ended up dropping me at a train station and I just thought, I've got to get away from this. I just need a break just for a day. I'll go home later, but I just need to get away from him for a bit. So he ended up abusing me and kicking me out of the car and punching me and stuff at the train station, like in the car before he kicked me out. Um, and as soon as he left, I just I just went and hid. I took off and hid up on the, the crossing platform because um, I knew he'd come back looking for me. And I stayed up there and I just kept passing out because I was just absolutely exhausted um, oh and I was hungry and I just wanted to sleep and I just thought I've got to leave this station and go find somewhere just so I can sleep for a few hours. And then I ended up catching a train to another town and found a park bench and I just ended up sleeping for a few hours. I had people come up to me go, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just need to sleep. Um, and um, 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 I woke up and I'm just like, I can't do this. I've got to get help. Like I, I, I need help. I, you know, I caught a, a, you know, I caught a view of myself in a mirror and I was skin and bone. I was battered and bruised and I just, I looked sick. You know, I, I dropped 20 kilos in the space of three months from the meth use. Um, I had, you know, my knee had been gashed months beforehand um, I had a broken finger that was severely, like it was ended up having a double fracture in it from him. Um, Fucking I, just yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it, it is very full on and it's a very hard story for people to hear. It's um, really hard. I'm trying to keep it yeah, together. I know. I know. If it gets too much for you, you know, just let me know. <laughs> Thank you. It's just Sorry, like, I, just awful. Like, I've gotten used to telling this story um, because, you know, I want to help raise awareness that it's yeah it's it's important to talk about it really is like I think it's helped me recover yeah sense but I also think you speaking up and sharing your story first of all you don't know who's listening and there might be someone listening who is in a similar situation and is too scared to leave or you know maybe they have just left and they're not feeling like oh shit maybe I did the wrong thing or you know like it's just I think speaking about it and the more people speak about it makes it unacceptable okay as well. Like people yeah. need to know, men need to know in Australia and women need to know that that's not acceptable. That's not normal behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after I woke up and realised I need help, I need to, you know, I ended up just going to um, a health centre and talking to them and they ended up taking me to the hospital. Did you tell them? like everything that had been going on? Yeah, or? I was straight up honest with them. You yeah. know, I was straight up honest about everything, including the drug use, because I, like, I was ashamed of myself for doing it, but at the same time, how can I get help if they don't know what's going on? Yeah. You know, how can I be honest, you know, if they don't know what's going on in, with my body and all that sort of stuff? They need to, they need to know things to help me. Yeah. Makes sense. And yeah. also if I'm not honest with myself about it, how will I ever change? Yeah. Um, and then they did a pregnancy test on me at the hospital and that was when I found out that I was pregnant with our third child. And I was just in, I was just in too much of a shock and everything that I was just like, Ugh, whatever. I was actually in a relieved state, sorry, to, that I was finally able to sleep and get some yeah. rest and not be having to be woken up and abused and have coffee tipped on me and things like that. 
You had you know, oh, it, was cold, like, it was cold coffee, but it was just the fact that it was really cold coffee and it was smelt so putrid I nearly threw up. Oh, my God. Um, just... Yeah. So so that probably, you know, you had a lot of shit going on right then. So that would have, you know, it's probably a bit of a coping mechanism to not allow that to kind of sink in at that point. Exactly. My biggest thought was as well was has he taken off with the kids? Yeah. I was about to ask and, you. Like, yeah. I was so scared. And the very next, like the next day, the social worker at the hospital rang the school to see if the kids were there and um, they weren't. And I instantly broke down like, oh, my God, he's taken off with them. I'm like, I'm never going to see my kids again. It was just, you know. And then later on the police ended up doing a check at the address that we're staying at with his family and, you know, the children were there and they were being fed and stuff like that. But did they not remove them? No, they didn't remove them. Wonder why didn't they do that? I because they were in a they were fine and being looked after. Oh my god! You know, and yeah, it, honestly, I still think about it. Like there are children in that situation, and no one's stepping in to help the children. That's crazy. Like this was a violent man. That's, you know, the type that you'd think might hurt children just to get at you. Yeah, but he had never actually physically hurt the children, which is why they didn't. Um, he did a lot of mental hurt to the kids, like sitting there saying, mum doesn't love you. Oh, my She's God. Leave our family. We're going to go on a, a, you know, our own little holiday away from mum because mum doesn't want to be with us and all this sort of stuff. Oh, man, it was, that, that destroyed me. That really took me up. Yeah, that's, that's so fucked up. Yeah. So um, I eventually got released from the hospital and got put into a refuge motel. And um, DV Connect helped with that sort of stuff. Like the social worker actually helped me get in touch with DV Connect. I didn't even know that a, a, anything like DV Connect existed. And I can tell you, if I'd known sooner, I would have left sooner because I had so many chances to just leave, but I had nowhere to go. I had no money, no one to turn to, nothing. And what about, did you, I'll put that link to them in the show notes. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Did you think that, I mean, when you thought of your family, was that an option or was it more like he'll find me if I go there? Or maybe they won't take me back because I have cut them out or, you know. Um, no, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know whether or not I could trust my family because of, you know, he reckons that, oh, your mum told me this and your sister, you know, she, she slipped up on saying this and rah, rah. And I thought, why is my family telling him all this stuff? It's not true. Why are they trying to hurt us? You know, he had me convinced that, you know, my family was against me and all kinds of stuff. It was, yeah. So I didn't know if I could trust my family. So I never even considered contacting them at that point in time oh my god you must have just felt so alone it's just I did I did I remember that when they could put me in the motel as soon as I got there I just broke down and I cried and cried and cried and I thought to myself well I've got to do something I can't just sit here I've got to go for a walk and I was familiar with the area um and I knew you know what places would be open at that time of night and all that sort of stuff so um I ended up going for a walk and I went into an Optus store and I got myself a phone. Um, it was actually really handy. Like 
I was very grateful that I didn't have a bad credit history at that point in time. So I could just get a phone on a plan where there was no upfront costs. Oh, amazing. And that just instantly gave me a connection to freedom then and there. Um, You know, I was able to just take my mind off things by listening to music and being able to call the police and call detectives and speak to DV Connect and all that sort of stuff. And I actually ended up did starting to contact some family members and saying, hey, I'm sorry for everything that's happened, but this is what's happened. And just in in that instance, just from getting a phone to have that small piece of freedom yeah. and not being able to have him find me instantly just made a massive change on my mental health. Um, so did you not have a phone before that or had he taken no, it? Or? Yeah, he took it and then he also smashed it and broke it. Oh, my God. Yeah, so... Yeah, um, I think I've, I've actually still got that phone now because there's photos on it that I'd love to be able to get because another thing he actually did is he went through the computer and he deleted every single photo that I was in, including ones from when our children were born and they're on my chest. Oh, my God. Oh. Why would he do that? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> he was psychotic. He literally wanted to erase me from the family and, yeah, just delete me. Sorry. That is devastating. Yeah, I've literally got nothing um, today from... Those yeah. early days. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I'm so sorry. That's, that's like, so heartbreaking. I'd be devastated. Well, look, I'm literally at a, a state now where um, I've rebuilt and I've been very careful on how to rebuild. I try not to have too many material items to yeah. cherish because yeah. it's just a defense mechanism like yeah um yeah my, my my possessions have just decreased and I've kept it that way um another reason is in case I've got to up and move again I don't want to have to carry too much with us when we you know yeah. whenever we do have to leave which so like sadly will happen in the future when yeah yeah but Oh, okay, so far out. So how long were you in that motel? <laughs> so I was in there for a week and in that time DV Connect actually helped me get my children um, from him. He dropped them at school um, and this is actually quite scary but while I was at the school, the principal got the children to the office for me and I went in the back entrance and had a taxi waiting for me so I could just get him, get in the car and just leave. And oh my god! So did you call the school and tell them what had happened and what yeah, you were going to do? Well, yeah. yeah, definitely. And yeah. they were in full support of it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they like I was in the office with the kids, and mind you, I hadn't seen the kids in a week, so it was very emotional for me to be able to see them and hold them and touch oh, them again. Of course, and it's you know, it, it was, must have been so scary because God knows what he was saying to them and far yeah, out. and. Then, then my my middle my middle child had turned around and gone, oh, dad's car's I could see dad's car in the car park before, and I instantly froze like, oh my god. And I looked in the car park and I couldn't see it. Um, and then the principal's come in and gone, he's here now. He's he's at the front office. Oh my goes, god, we need to get you out of this school. And I'm like, oh my god, like how the hell did he know I was here? 
How did he know? Or was it a complete coincidence? Oh, I wish it was a coincidence, but no, this is how psychotic he was. He ended up parking in a street near the school where he could still be able to see the kids' classrooms. And he saw one of the kids get taken from their classroom with their school bag, which to him rang the alarm bell that she's there to take the children. Far out. Was he doing this every day? Like that's just far out. Yeah. So the teachers ended up helping me and assisting me to sneak up to the back of the school where the taxi was waiting. And then I've, and DV Connect was on the phone the whole time. I rang DV Connect straight away and said, he's here at the school. What do I do? And she goes, all right, we'll have police on standby. I'll let the taxi driver know what's going on right now. Just get to that car. Don't let him see you. And at this point in time, I was scared shitless because I was like, all right, I've got to, I've got to try and hold it together for my kids here because they don't know what the hell's going on. They're freaking out. I'm just literally dragging them out of school they don't get to say goodbye to their dad, you know. Yeah. It's going to hurt them a lot. And I just literally had to try and be in 50 frames of mind at once. And um, I eventually got up to the school, uh, up to the cab, and I remember hearing one of the teachers yell out to the teacher helping me, we need to lock that gate, there's going to be a lockdown. And I thought, wow, what the hell is happening at that school? So I got in the cab and he said, don't worry, I'll keep you safe. And he, he said he was like trained in some form of martial arts. I didn't know exactly what, but I just remember driving in that cab. He's looking over his mirrors. He's watching behind him. I'm keeping our heads down. And it was one of the most scariest moments, just trying to get away from him and hope to God he didn't find us or follow us. Oh, my God. I can't yeah. even imagine the fear. Oh, uh, it was it was up there, I tell you. <laughs> so we ended up getting up to the, getting back to the motel and I just said to the kids, this is what's going on. We need to leave dad. Um, what did, how did they react to that? They didn't know how to respond. Now, what ages were they at this point? 2016, uh, so this is two years ago. So they were yeah, five and six five years and, Not yeah. even five, sorry. Um, four, and, four and six. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was um, that, that moment was definitely, that point in time was definitely hard because the children were becoming extremely restless and hyperactive and I guess this was just all their sort of, um, all their sort of ways of their little bodies coping with the trauma that they were going through and experiencing at the time. Um, yeah. yeah, it was just, and I didn't know Sorry, I didn't know how to cope. I didn't know how to help them. We were in this tiny little one-bedroom motel um, and it was just horrible because we had nothing to do, you know. So you couldn't send the kids back to school? No. No. How long? So, what? Did, I mean, what do you do in that situation? I mean, what did you do? Well, I ended up, luckily there was parks nearby and stuff, so we, we'd go to the park or we'd go to Macca's. Um, what else did we do? We went to the shops. I, like I had to buy some clothes for them because all I had on me was their school uniforms and their school bags. Um, so I had to try and organise clothes for them and, and myself, mind you, at this point in time because I literally had nothing for myself either. Yeah. So um we were only in the motel for two days at that point in time, luckily, by the time I got the children. 
and we and were what sh- had happened at the school did you ever find out about that um no you just started getting angry and aggressive towards staff because apparently when he dropped him off he spoke to the principal and told them if she shows up you need to ring me asap and she reassured him that she would call him and I said, well, that explains the phone call to the department. She, the principal actually went off and had to ring the department to make sure she was doing the right thing by letting the children leave with me. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's probably not an everyday situation for her. So. No, it wasn't. Um, yeah, so we ended up going up and staying in a refuge in another town and it was a really difficult time. It was just really depressing. I had these two children that were missing their father and confused and needing help. And then I was pregnant um, and contemplating at times of wanting to get an abortion. And to me, that is like the number one thing that I don't like. I, 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 I would never get an abortion unless beyond necessary, you know? Yeah. So I was through my own form of depression and stuff. And I don't, we didn't have contact for about, four months and then eventually I chose with him yeah 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 so um detectives were wanting me to make a formal statement and I chose not to because I was scared of the repercussions um and I just kept hoping to god we wouldn't be found because I didn't know what would happen and so what what were you doing in that time for sort of um money and things like that how were you coping were you beginning to work again or no I ended up having um having the pension fully sorted for myself with the help through the um sorry with the help through the refuge workers yeah Um, like being in a refuge it is it can be quite hard but I've done it a few times now and honestly without that space and without that time to think if you've got the opportunity to go to a refuge do it because, yeah, you get more help in there than what you do doing it alone. And it, at one stage in a refuge, I met 10 families in the time that I'd been there that had all been through some form of abuse. And some of the, like, I didn't ever compare my story to others or anything like that. It was just there and being able to have a coffee with someone and, you know, taking time out from yeah. the outside world that helped so absolutely yeah I eventually went back to him um I don't say it's stupid of me to go back to him because I at the time I did what I thought was right for the family I didn't think it was the drugs that had caused sorry I thought it was the drugs that caused him to be that way and And by that stage you weren't on the drugs anymore either way no no, I I definitely quit I was just like I don't want that lifestyle I don't want to be that person yeah and I think you made a lucky escape, like having yeah. only been on it a few months from yeah. what I hear, you know, with how addictive it is. Yeah. Um, once I'd gone back to him, we ended up getting a house and moving together again. Um, and he was a completely changed man. You know, he wasn't doing drugs and he was treating me like his queen and, you know, realising what he'd lost. But then the aggression had started very early on again. And I'd been warned about the cycle of DV and I chose to ignore it. I thought, well, I'll know the warning signs and I'll get out before it gets too bad. Yeah. But honestly, I didn't have time. As soon as it started, it just snowballed so fast. 
to a point where within a few weeks of us living together, he was starting to hit me again. And I was only a few weeks, like, I was, sorry, I was pregnant at that time. And I was just in shock. Like, are you serious? And had you told him about the pregnancy at that point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I told him as soon as I seen him. Yeah. That's when it all started of, oh, the baby's not really mine. You're only back with me because you can't, you won't cope financially and you need somewhere to live and you were sleeping around and now that you're starting to show you can't get anybody and oh, just all kinds of things, all kinds of things. You know, I was having people sneak into the refuge. I was having people at the refuge babysitting the children so I could go out and root around and all this, all this sort of stuff. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like this is... yeah. What the hell? I'm trying to come back to our family. I'm trying so was to- he still on the drugs or was this just his initial, like, original paranoia coming I, back in? I see that it was the paranoia coming back in because yeah. he was sleeping, he was eating, he had gained weight, Thing, you know, yeah. things that showed me he was clean. Yeah. Uh, but then after he started hitting me again, he started using again. And then because I'd had that previous, I guess, addiction, I started using again. I, I knew I shouldn't have because I was pregnant and yeah. it was just like, oh, what the fuck sort of yeah. thing. Why yeah. not? Um, and then again, it just started snowballing and getting worse again. You know, he started to hurt me nearly every single day. Um, and was he doing this in front of the kids or was this? Like um, not till with- towards the end. Okay. They'd, they'd hear it because their bedroom sort of backed onto our garage so that here we'd sit in the garage and he'd smoke and stuff. So, you know, he started threatening that when I went into labour, I was going to have to do it on the garage floor. He wouldn't take me to the hospital. And he was, he was saying this no matter whether he was high or straight. He was saying that. He was adamant I was going to be doing that. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it started getting worse and worse. And then one day he tied me up. This is in November 2016. He tied me up and put me in the wardrobe and he fell asleep. And I thought, I've got to get out of here. I can't, I can't do this again, you know, and I managed to climb onto some suitcases and. Um, Was this like a walk-in wardrobe? Yeah, sorry, a walk-in wardrobe. And I climbed onto, onto some suitcases and I hid between the wall and the suitcases until it was safe to leave. And he woke up and he didn't get time to look for me because he woke up after the school bell had gone and he had to race and go pick up the kids. And so uh, you managed to untie yourself. Yeah. And then you thought, was the thinking like, oh, he'll see that I've untied myself and thinks will think that I've run out or something. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That was exactly my thought. Like I need him to think that I've left the room. Yeah. You know, and I thought about leaving the room, but I thought if he wakes up and catches me, I'll be yeah. in trouble. So, um, yeah, when I, when I left after he left, I grabbed, I didn't even grab my wallet. I, I, thought if he if I grab my wallet he'll see that I've left after him you know yeah. I, I wasn't thinking straight but um I grabbed the baby book and some water and some food and just read the them. baby book uh so your hospital book oh yep 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 yeah, okay yeah so um I hid at the house next door which was vacant and I just I broke into the garage so I could just chill there until it was night time went to the neighbors at not once it was night time and then um, from there, they took me into town the next day, and I went to hospital again. And so they took you in for that night. Yeah, yeah, like a, a complete stranger that I'd never met before, and I didn't want to tell her what had happened. 
but I ended up telling her because I felt it was, you know, necessary, I guess, for her to know in case I was, you know, yeah. any police or anything. Um, yeah, and from there again I got admitted into the hospital and spent a few days there and again I was involved with the social worker in child safety and... Now were you in hospital because of... Um like more injuries that he no I was no mostly because I was pregnant and had been getting abused yeah so they wanted to check if Bob was okay and that and then plus TV Connect wanted me to stay there because there was nowhere else in town safe to stay where he wouldn't find me yeah. and on the system well this is actually probably handy to know but if ever you're admitted due to a DV situation you can go onto the hospital database as anonymous and if somebody walks into that hospital asking for you they can't look you up. They can't see you. Oh, that's really good information. Yeah. Um, so they, they ended up letting, like, helping me get to a friend's house who I'd met through the refuge last time and I stayed with her for a few days and I made contact with him again and I wanted to speak to the kids but he kept saying, oh, I'll put them on later, I'll put them on later, just where are you, are you Okay. And he guilted me into telling me, telling him where I was and then he came and picked me up that night. Now, was this, did you say November? Yeah. So you were, was it eight months pregnant at this time? Yeah, yeah I, was, I was very close to giving birth. Um, and then he guilted me into coming, coming up to where I was and telling me the kids aren't sleeping, they're sick, they're worried without you, they just want their mum we've got to sort this out, you know, made all the promises in the sun to not hurt me again and blah, 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 same old usual crappy story. So I went back with him and sure enough, again, within a few days, it all started all over again and it was actually worse because child safety was involved. And that started the paranoia that I was then starting to work with child safety. Why were they involved at that point? Was that because because I had admitted that I was using meth while being pregnant. Okay. Um, Again, to me, it was like, I've got to tell them. Otherwise, if there's something wrong, how can they help? I think it's great that you told them. Yeah, I I guess. (laughs) No, it's brave. It is. It is. Like, I agree. Yeah. So so it was worse because child services was involved. So he was paranoid that. I was starting to try and get him locked up so that it would just be me and the children. Right. Which wasn't the case because all I ever wanted was for him to just stop so we could be a family, so we could be happy, we could be in love because I've seen it. I've seen our family when it is happy. Yeah. And that's all I craved. That's all I wanted was yeah. for my old, you know, my old friend, I guess, to, to be back with me and to... The guy that you met, the guy exactly. that you fell in love with. Exactly. And, you know, um, at this, like, it was heartbreaking because I would see this man. He was tall, strong, charismatic, kind. You know, sometimes he was an arsehole, but he was a hardworking family man. Yeah. You know, he worked hard. He provided our family with everything we needed. Um our children were happy, you know, we were, we were uh, uh, there was that happy family. So then seeing this man sitting there in a pair of torn up shorts, thongs that were, you know, were holes in them and fiending over a crack pipe. Yeah. And debt collectors chasing phone bills and rent and all this sort of stuff, like 
Was he not able to really hold down a job at this point because of the drugs or was all the money going to drugs? No, he ended up stopping work in February 2016. Right. He he got too paranoid going to work thinking that I was doing God knows what at home. Oh, my God. So he stopped working and we ended up just living off Centrelink. So, yay. But, yeah, after all that happened, um, there was this one night where we dropped the children at his sister's in Brisbane and then we drove up to Bundaberg and the whole drive up there, he was just beating me while I was driving. We are driving on a highway, 110 kilometres an hour, big four-wheel drive. And you were still eight months pregnant? Yes. Well, I was, yeah, I was 10 days. Closer. 10 days from giving birth yeah. from my due date. Jesus. And then he was he was going to kill me. He was planning on taking me out and just killing me. And he ended up ringing his sister and saying, oh, she's going crazy. She's throwing herself into the wall. She's just going nuts. I don't know what to do. What do I do? And she said, no, you've got to come back here. Come see the children. And I just said, like, he just said, okay, all right, no worries. And by that stage, I'd been trying to be clean. Like I'd been clean for three days. Yeah. And again, he got me straight back onto the gear again and told me if I didn't, he'd hurt me. Jesus. I just, all I wanted was to quit. I didn't want to use it. Yeah. And yeah, I I hated myself for it because I was pregnant. And But I mean, what are you supposed to do? He's he's threatening you. I mean, I don't think you can beat yourself up about that. Yeah. Like it's, I don't so much now because I see that, you know, with like I've had a beautiful, healthy child. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm very fortunate. So um, we then drove back from Bundaberg to Brisbane, just me and him in the car, and, again, he was hitting me and bashing me the whole drive down. My God. And, and you were driving? Yeah. Far out. Like I'd, I'd be, you know, he'd hit me and my head would hit the glass and, I'd have to try and keep the car on the road. And it was just, yeah, it was hard. Um, And then once we got to Brisbane, I got out of the car and that's when my waters broke. I'm like, oh, my God. And I told him and he didn't believe me. He didn't believe you? He didn't believe that my waters had broken. Did you show him the evidence? No, I couldn't really show him because he'd probably just assume that I'd just wet myself. Oh, my God. And at this point in time, I had bruises all over my face. I had bruises on my body. Just, yeah, we had nothing for the baby because he planned on us giving up for adoption and, yeah. He, sorry, what was that? You decided to give the baby up for adoption? He, he had decided we were going to give the baby to the hospital for adoption. So that we didn't buy a bassinet. We didn't buy anything for the baby, no bottles, nothing. How did you feel about that? Numb absolutely numb because I didn't know what to anticipate you know he it was very heckle and jide a lot of the time yeah so um he finally took me to the hospital and he was just going to drop me off and leave and he's like I'm going to kill myself rah 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 and in my head all I'm thinking is please just go away so I can go in and get admitted like I just really wanted to go in to the to the you know um maternity ward and he ended up making me get back in the car again and we ended up, that happened a couple of times where he dropped me off and make me get in the car, drop me off, get in the car. And then we ended up driving out 
um, something like 90 kilometres away from the hospital. And by that point, like, my waters were just about completely drained. And I had to get a, I had to go to the toilet and at least change or put a towel on me or something. And he's felt and gone, Jesus Christ, it's saturated. I said, yes, I know. I've been telling you that. Yeah. And it, he, I think he was just at a loss. He was just going to drive us into a truck and kill us. Like he just didn't know how, I don't think he really knew what to do. And eventually we drove back to his sister's. He went to the shops and bought everything we needed, you know, bottles, clothes, you know, car capsule, you know, everything you need to give birth basically. And you still hadn't been in the hospital? Yeah, this is 10 hours later um, after my waters initially broke. And were you in labour? Um, yeah, a bit, like a tiny bit. It was like the yeah. niggling starts of labour. Yeah. And I was panicking the whole time because by that point, this was my third child and usually every pregnancy labours shorter and shorter. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, my God, what happens if I go into labour here and now? Um, and eventually we went to the hospital and he was kind and loving and supportive and didn't want to leave my side and all that. And, you know, I gave birth and then sitting there, he just ended up becoming depressed and yeah, he ended up becoming depressed and, um, just, I I was panicking because I thought he was going to switch into this sort of evil person again yeah crazy person and I was actually meant to stay in hospital that night because my membranes I had jagged membranes or ragged membranes whatever it's called where part of the placenta tears off inside you right so then at high risk of having an infection and they want they tell you you need to stay in at least 24 hours you know in case of an infection yeah and he's like no no just they're going to tell you that just so that you have to stay here because they, they'll probably take baby away because of the meth use and rah, rah, rah. So he convinced and, you that the hospital was kind of against you. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I had to just go and leave with him. And that was six hours after giving birth. Oh, my God. Um, so eventually we got back to his sisters and, you know, we showed the children baby and all that sort of stuff. And... Yeah, within a couple of days, he started becoming crazy again. And he was recovering from giving birth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we then ended up starting to travel on the road for, th- for about three weeks after that between Brisbane and, Bun- like Brisbane and Gladstone. Just you you two or you two and the new baby? Or? All of us, like Your um, whole us and the children. Yeah. yeah, so we ended up travelling um, in the car and what was that? Was it? There wasn't a holiday. It was no, just like a. It was us on the run because he was scared of the police and child safety coming after him, and taking him away. Oh my god! Um, again, our middle child missed out on his prep graduation because of all this. Oh. So the year before, he missed out on his kindy graduation, and the year after, he missed out on his prep graduation. And again, that was just something else that broke my heart. Yeah, you know, it was. It just. And how long were you how long were you on the run for? About three weeks. Oh my it was God. about so in that time we stayed at various motels and he would just smash into me and hurt me. Um, so was this at the time where your kids clearly could see what was happening? Yeah, they knew what was going on. They weren't stupid. 
Yeah. Um, you know, at one stage we were driving in the car and he just started like actually hitting me while I'm driving and the kids are in the back of the car and I saw it and I've just looked at him like, are you serious? Like yeah. this is what you've become. You've become this monster. I didn't say that to him obviously because, you know, repercussions, but um, we ended up going home a few days, like two days before Christmas Day. We ended up going home and we had nothing sort of Christmas, no presents whatsoever. Um, and we had to go shopping and do Santa photos and play happy families. And he ended up buying all the Christmas presents and I'd have to sit out of the shops with the kids. Now, anybody who knows me knows how much I love Christmas. Yeah. Christmas to me is my favourite time of the year because I'm it's a chance. I get to spoil the children. Yeah. You know, I get to do Christmas carols. We watch the concerts on TV. We do the tree. We do, you know, I set up the presents and just make it absolutely magical you know? Yeah. And I was completely and utterly robbed of Christmas. I missed out on the Christmas shopping. He made sure of that. I wrapped all the presents, put them under the tree, did Santa's, you know, carrot and reindeer and like all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then the next, like that morning, four o'clock in the morning, he goes, you're not, you're not going to be watching the kids open their presents. He goes, you're staying in this room do you want to stay in this room? And I said, no, I want to, I want to see the kids. It's Christmas know. morning. Yeah. Like I have, it's Christmas. I, I love Christmas. And he was, well, tell me the truth. What's going on? Who are you working with? Rah, rah, rah. Just open up to me about something and you can come out of this room. And I'm just like, I've got nothing to open up to you about. There's nothing. I said, do you think I would sacrifice this to lie to you? And he goes, yes, I do believe that because you're a psychopath, you're sadistic, you're just not human. Oh, my God. And I ended, so up, I ended up just bawling my eyes out because I could hear them getting all happy and excited, opening their presents and, you know, it was Bub's first Christmas and the children were excited because Bub was opening a present with Dad and I missed a whole lot and it just destroyed me. He wouldn't let you come out of the room. No, not until 2 o'clock that afternoon. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, and then I remember at one stage my middle child turned around and goes, when's mummy going to give us her presents? Oh. And I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, he convinced, like he told the children that the presents were from Santa and him. Nothing, nothing was from me. And, oh. yeah, it just, like I, every year... I, do, I did the Christmas shopping. I'd show him what I got, but I'd be the one battling the shops. I'd be buying throughout the year. I'd be all excited and trying to always include him. And, yeah, he made out that I was the bad guy when, yeah. So um, we ended up going back to Brisbane and he... Um, on New Year's Eve, he took me for a drive. Well, before New Year's Eve, we were driving back to Brisbane and he'd, get, he'd ask me a question. I'd tell him I wasn't lying. He'd get me out of the car and he'd start punching me in the legs, like corking my legs. And then I'd have to try and drive a manual car with, you know, sore legs. Oh um, and then um, at his sister's house on New Year's Eve, he ended up having a psychotic fit and taking me for a drive with Bob in the car 
and he was just going to dump me off somewhere and kill me. And he went several locations where he was going to do it. And at one stage he's just pulled over and I'm in the driver's seat and he just bashed me so hard. And I was screaming and screaming just to stop. And, um, like, you know, we've got our newborn baby in the car listening to all this. Yeah. And eventually we went back to his sister's and he admitted to his sister what he had done and he said, I'm just going to kill her. I'm going to kill her, you know, and she, she was dumbfounded. No one in the family could ever stand up to him. He just, no one ever stood up to him. I did, you know, I used to stand up for him, but I used to get, you know, repercussions for it. So I tried to hide again from him that day by squeezing into a tiny little cupboard in her house. Um, And once he, once they realized I was gone, they thought I'd left. Um, He jumped in the car with all all three children and just took off because he thought I was going to be getting the police after him. So I took, you know, I took the risk in leaving my children, like all three children, including my newborn baby. Yeah. Which that, that broke me. And once he left, I actually came out of hiding and I said, please, you need to help me get away from him. And what did she say? She goes, all right, just, just come to the bathroom. I'll just come to the bathroom. Where do you want me to take you? Where do you want to go? She ended up ringing him. What? Yeah, she ended up ringing him and telling him that I was there. What? Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe that. That's why. I don't know. Does this woman have children? Yes. What? Yeah. Um, And then that, uh, that night I ended up going back to Bundaberg with him in the car and, again, he kept pulling over and he'd hurt me and bash me and, yeah, eventually we got back to Bundaberg and he was asleep and I made him get into the room and got the children sorted into their beds and I ended up going back, going to bed and stuff. And Now, was this when, because was it in around this time that he broke your leg and your ribs and your nose? Was that yeah. when he? Between New Year's Eve and the day that I left, it, that's when the, the abuse was the worst because over the short the short amount of days, the amount of injuries I, I received was just, like, I, I, I still don't, understand, like, I still can't comprehend it. As much as I talk about it, I just, I think if I was to see the photos, that would probably break me. It's shocking, um, yeah. But, yeah, like, over the course of days, it, you know, on one day he had me in a noose with my head t- tied behind my back and he was, like, punching and kicking my legs and my body and trying to have me hang myself oh my God. Um, and then he flipped again the switch flipped in his head and he ended up becoming this other crazy person where he let me out and we ended up just sitting in the room and talking and having a few tokes on the pipe and he's like you need to tell me everything and I thought to myself I should just start lying I'll tell him what he wants to hear and I did I started making up these stories that I'd slept with this person and that person and that person but the problem was is I couldn't remember what lies I told him so I couldn't retell him the truth, the, the lies, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, you know what, I'm making it all up. I can't, I can't do this. So I got punished for it. And I'd have to try and walk past him in the kitchen and I had to walk past him and just hold my composure because the kids were there. And he'd punch me walking past and if I reacted, then he'd punch me again even harder. Um, Like he'd punish me for reacting to him hurting me because the kids were there. 
and he didn't want the kids seeing that he was hurting me. He just made out that I was being stupid and crazy and falling over. Um, he'd let me feed Bubs when Bubs was hungry or change his bum and things like that. But other than that, I wasn't allowed to talk to him. I wasn't allowed to look at him, uh, to, you know, anything like that. I had to just ignore the baby. Thank God. And... Um, yeah I know sorry (laughs) over the next course like over the course of days he would then have me sitting on the lounge with him and he'd just be I'd have to sit next to him so he could just sit there and whack me one straight in the legs and he spent two days just punching my legs my upper legs over and over and over again to the point where walking was near impossible the pain was beyond unbearable even to touch my legs was just like I still cringe at people touching my legs. You know, it's, yeah, the kids go to sit on my lap. So I'm like, no, don't do it. Like I, I panic when the kids go to sit on my lap. Now this is January this year. No, 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 last year. January so. last year, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's what, uh, 17, 16 months ago. Yeah, um, of course, yeah. So um, then he started attacking other parts of my body so I was laying on the floor next to the bed because I wasn't allowed on the bed and he'd punch me repeatedly in the torso and the head um he smashed me in the head with a lighter which actually cut my scalp and left scars like to this day I've still got divots in my scalp um he punched the side of my head which cracked and broke the cartilage in my ear and I've still got nasty scarring there and headphones don't sit in my ears very well. Um, and eventually, like, oh, sitting on the edge of the bed, we had a, a wooden solid framed bed and he kicked me off the mattress and my butt slid and smashed onto the frame, which then damaged my tailbone. Um, oh my God. He bashed me with a hammer, with the handle of a hammer. <sighs> Sorry, months beforehand he poured petrol all over me and was going to set me on fire, but he didn't oh end up doing it. Hey, Baba. Hi, guy. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Here, you can take the mouse. Okay. Um, yeah, so eventually I did make, make it away from him. He fell asleep and I had bubs in my arms and I ended up having to make the choice to leave without the two older children which killed me, but I... You had to do what you had to do. I mean, it was, it was you're going to die. Pretty much. He was on the brink of killing me. Um, you can have it. Here, you hang on to it. There you go. Um, yeah, so I made the choice to leave with, with my youngest, who at the time was only four weeks old. And before you left, were you living in the closet? Sort of. He would lock me like tie me not tie me but he'd put me in the closet and like I could open the door but I wasn't game enough to open the door like it was one stage where I found an like a container that had stuff in it and I emptied stuff out of it so I could pee in there like and it was the middle of summer in Dunderberg so the heat up there was just relentless it was just it was sickening so yeah it was really really like I'd get you know, quite woozy being in there, um, yeah. you know, but ended up coping and, mommy, mommy. <laughs> and, and dealing with it. So um, getting away at that point in time 
it was it was again one of the most scariest moments ever because I had to try and do it without being caught. Um, well, it was if you were going to get caught, you probably would have got killed. Exactly that. Yeah, that was that was a no brainer. Like, but it, I did. I ended up sneaking out of the house and breaking in. Like, sorry, not breaking into the car. Getting into the car, I put bubs on the front passenger seat, and I, mind you, this took me a lot of strength to even get to the car because, like I said, I didn't know it at the time, but I did have a fractured femur. I had broken fingers, cracked ribs, my tailbone was stuffed, I was, my head was throbbing, I was just, I was, I represented someone out of a car wreck. Um, And I ended up escaping and going to the police station and once I got there I made my way to the door and banged on the door and they um they opened the door took one look at me look searched area like looked around the area to make sure I wasn't followed and I said please take please take the baby and they took bubs from me and carried him for me and eventually I got to a room where I finally just sort of struggled to even try and sit down and I started telling them everything and I said, I'm in so much pain. I can't, I can't do this. So they called me an ambulance and I got admitted straight to hospital. Okay. It's really intense. Um, We are going to take a break and we are going to continue talking about this in next week's episode. Um, Next week's episode, we're really talking a lot about how um, she has rebuilt herself. Um, Now for you, the, you know, beautiful, beautiful woman who has shared her story with us. I just think you're amazing and so brave and just incredible. And wow, your kids are lucky to have you, you know, like you're such a great mom. And I think, um, I just think you're amazing. No one should have to go through what you've been through. And, um, yeah, you're incredible. Um, if you'd like to share your thoughts with me, um, you know, feel free to email me and I can pass them on. Um, I'm sure that um, the, the guest on the Today Show would love to hear from you. Um, if you want to email me, you can email me at julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com. Uh, you can also connect with me on Facebook and Instagram. I'm just at singlemothersurvivalguide. And if you go to www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com, you can find out all about the other podcast episodes. You can read the blog. You can also find out how to work with me and book in a complimentary clarity call if you'd like to have a chat about how I can help you. There's also a link there to join the Single Mother Survival Guide support forum, which is a Facebook group where we can all connect with each other. Um, Yeah, please get in touch if you have anything to say about this episode I'd really love to hear from you you can also leave an iTunes review Um, to do that you just go to your podcast app and then you scroll you go to the single mother survival guide podcast subscribe if you haven't already and then scroll down to the bottom it says reviews and all you have to do is tap the stars and then you can write and then you can press write a review so yeah that would be you know it's a great way for me to see exactly what your thoughts were um Next week, we'll be carrying this chat on with our beautiful guest today, and um, she's going to tell us all about how she has rebuilt her life and what's happened to this horrible man and, um, you know, what kind of precautions she's put in place. And, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a great episode, so I'll talk to you then. Have a great week. Bye.
Okay, bye for now.